Well, welcome to the Unstoppable Freedom Podcast. I'm Jimmy Page. The Unstoppable Freedom Alliance is part of a growing movement across America that's fighting for freedom and the values and ideals that this country was founded on. And I'm super excited about our guest today. Her name is Deborah Flora. She is the president and founder of Parents United America. She's also the producer of an incredible documentary film called Whose Children Are They? She's also previously run for U.S. Senate. She grew up in Colorado. She's from a military family, and her husband is an 82nd Airborne Division vet. She's always been surrounded by people willing to fight for freedom. So, Deborah, welcome to the Unstoppable Freedom Podcast. Thank you so much, Jimmy. It's great to be here. And you know what? That is an example that I hope we all figure out a way to serve whatever it yes. is that we are called to do in our time. And, and I'm very proud of my father's service and my husband's mm. and many, many family members. Of course, everyone who has served this country in uniform. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, is that one of the things you, you love most about America, I think, is the is the group of people, especially in the military and including first responders, police, fire all the others that are, are here really to, to serve. Is that something that you just love about America? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I, I obviously the major thing I love about America is the idea that America is. And many people yes. forget that it is a revolutionary idea that happened once in yes. all of human history. And governance was not usually this way. In fact, it's the exception in human history. The, the, the yes. course of human history predominantly is, you know, those who are, you know, the elite monarchy or oligarchy ruling over the many who have no value in their lives intrinsically as seen by the, the power brokers. America was that revolutionary idea that basically said every individual has intrinsic value and therefore the right mm -hmm. to self-governance, self-determination, individual rights, free will. And it's yes. really unique and we take it too much for granted. And then you add the layer on of those people who are willing to fight for it and serve it, who yes. believe so much in the beauty that is freedom that they're willing to give their last full measure of devotion, as Lincoln would say. Hmm. So it is something worth standing and fighting for. And I'm so grateful yes. for everyone who does in whatever way they're called to do. Yeah. And we've seen a resurgence. I mean, we've gotten into the freedom fight in the last year full time. I mean, this is something that we saw the infringement on our individual liberties. We saw, uh, I, I had an opportunity to witness firsthand what was happening in our schools because my daughter was learning yes. from remote through COVID and I, I got a bird's eye view of that and I was, I was absolutely disturbed by it. And there were a bunch of catalysts that led me into that. There are millions of Americans joining this fight today, aren't there? Oh, there are. I mean, it's this is really the moment. I mean, and and when we look through human history, I just a, you know a big overview. Yes. So many times, movements never reach critical mass and real change. In fact, the mm -hmm. the vast majority of them just get to a certain point and they taper out. They're not all like the civil rights movement, which achieved amazing change. Mm -hmm. But I believe this is our time, and really, yeah. honestly, it is what happened with our children that is awaking the sleeping giant and filling them with a wonderful resolve. I like to uh, change that phrase a little bit from, uh, yes. from World War II. I really do believe that this is the time because people are realizing it has gone so much further than they realize this erosion of our liberties. And when it comes to our kids, you know, I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, you wake up and you realize I'm a mom and dad first and, and it, yes. it can't, it's gone too far and it has to stop. Yeah. No question. And I think that's one of the things I love about Parents United America. It's one of the things I love about the film that you produced, which is exceptionally good and really clear. Oh, thank you. I think part of, part of, uh, and we'll get there in a second, but I think part of this is a parent's rights 
movement, isn't it? Because we've been told, and you've heard this, we've been told that we should have nothing to do with the curriculum that our kids are are learning from, or, or, or as soon as we drop them off at the front door of the school, they're basically the property of the state. That's, that's just a foreign idea to most of us who care about liberty. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, that's why the name of the film is Whose Children Are They? Because really the core question of our day is we are at a crossroads of two very different worldviews. And I've been in the Soviet Union long ago. I was in East Germany when the wall was still up far behind the wall, not just in East Berlin. So I've seen this alternate viewpoint. And, And unfortunately, it is the communist socialist viewpoint. It started right with Marx, who said from the moment a child can be without their mother's care, there will be in state institutions. So there is that view, which has actually been creeping up behind the scenes for decades. That's one of the things we talk about in the documentary, Whose Children Are They? Where did this start? But it is completely antithetical to the very cornerstone of Western civilization, which is based on Judeo-Christian views, which is that the basic building block of society is the family and the most fundamental right in many ways, other than the right to live and breathe and right of conscience is the right of parents to be the ultimate authority in their children's lives. In fact, it was such a fundamental right. I believe the reason why it wasn't the Bill of Rights is our founding fathers never ever anticipated a day where in the United States of America, that would be questioned. And what we'd be seeing is this clash between freedom and Marxism. It is that simple. Yeah. Isn't it amazing too, because I think you're right. If we could, if we could transport the founders into modern day and then let them look at what we're debating, whether it's religious freedom or whether it's parental rights or whether it's the value of the family, I think they would be just shocked by where we are and the, and the absolute misinterpretation or, or absolute changing of the constitution and the bill of rights. I think that's the stuff that really gets us most fired up. Oh, it does. It does because there are rights that are absolute. They're not given by government. They cannot be taken away from government, but we've let them. I mean, and, and I'm not blaming anyone, but the reason why there's a parent uprising is until now, a couple of things were happening. Parents are so busy. There's, there's no condemnation of parents. I mean, many are yes. two working families or single moms and you it's just enough, it seems like, to get your kids to school, go work your job, come back, get them to activities and then just have a little downtime. And you combine that with the fact that most parents had absolutely no idea that the curriculum being taught today to students is so incredibly different than what they experienced. Everything from, you know, sex education, the straw man arguments, we don't want that. Well, we all grew up with reproductive biology. We thought that's what it was, not uh, explicit, age inappropriate, rather pornographic sex education. Nobody knew that was happening because nobody anticipated it. Or CRT, which, you know, as I, I know you know, Jimmy, is just an extension of Marx's critical theory, and they just slapped race on it. And the yes. reason why it's so fundamentally wrong with our founding is all that critical theory is and critical race theory in this instance is it's Marx's way of separating people into groups and pitting them yes. against each other. That's it. Yes. Yes. And 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 it's fundamentally wrong. Yes. And I think that's what really gets to the heart of people who care about America and liberty, because our our motto is e pluribus unum, out of many, one. It's this whole idea that there are principles and values and ideals that we do unite around as Americans. And what we're seeing, of course, is the Marxist ideology, which is designed to divide and conquer. All right, if we can separate all these people into all these different ideologies and different belief systems, 
then you can pretty much get people to do anything because we don't come together as one. And I think that's one of the things as a, as a working dad with a, with a wife who works, who, you know, we just want to work hard. We want to provide for our families and we want to enjoy the freedoms and the God given rights that we have. What we don't want to do is play, play the police uh, on, on what our kids are being taught. We had certain assumptions when we drop them off at school, we had certain assumptions that, of what they were being taught. I'll give you my, I'll give you a 30 second story on, on how I, this came to light for me. COVID was happening. Uh, schools were closed. And I, and I do want to talk a little bit about why schools were closed, because I think it was mm-hmm. one of the worst decisions we've ever made in American education. But I remember being with my daughter and she was on a zoom call, remote learning as a junior in high school. And she was, they were talking about current events and, and she was weighing in with a different perspective, a different idea about COVID, a different idea about politics. And I witnessed the bullying of my daughter by the teacher and then the feeding frenzy of the others on the Zoom call. And all I did was, Deborah, you'll love this. I just started feeding her facts because I really believe that right. truth, truth kind of resides in facts. And I would give those yes. and then she would share them. And I just watched how they picked it apart. And I was appalled because I never would have known the political persuasion of, of a teacher growing up. I never would have known probably even their religious beliefs. It was none of my business, especially not gender or any of that ideology. Did you get exposed? Was that a catalyst for you to really get in and do this film? Yes, without a doubt. I mean, what you said is right on the money. I mean, what's interesting is we're not the ones that want to dictate a political ideology. We want our students to go to school to be educated, not indoctrinated. And at the same time that that is happening here in Colorado, for instance, less than 40% of students are actually proficient in reading. Less than 30% are proficient in math. That is what we expect. And the real teaching, full, unadulterated, unfiltered teaching, age-appropriate, we're students. We're not the ones yes. that are pushing false history in the 1619 Project. So all yes. these straw man arguments. But what got me activated, Jimmy, was you mm. know, about three and a half, four years ago now when they pushed comprehensive sex ed through on the very last day in the legislature in Colorado, I was one of hundreds of parents that waited 12 hours till about midnight to testify. And they still pushed it through on the very last day of the legislature, despite hundreds of parents. And I knew what was in it because I'd seen it before in California and other places. A lot of people didn't. And I thought that was going to be the catalyst for people to wake up. And when that happened, I helped introduce legislation. A a legislator introduced it. I helped write it called Sex Ed Transparency. I was like, okay, you push this through. There's a parent's opt out. All we're saying is put it online so parents can know what's in it. And if they like it, great. And if they don't, they don't think it's right for the child. And by the way, even if it had been reproductive biology, how many of us know if you have more than one child, you know, every child is different. And the parent knows that. Who is it right for it at what age? Well, of course, that went nowhere. They put that in the kill committee. And I thought, goodness gracious, they really aren't listening to us. But it was COVID that woke everybody else up. Because what what we have in the documentary with the sex education is honestly it's the hardest part of the movie we have a disclaimer on it saying this movie would be r-rated simply because of what they're teaching your eight-year-old nine-year-old ten-year-old kids yes uh but that that's just a piece of the puzzle what people began to see then during covid and when we really knew we had to make this documentary was they began to see everything else and that's why the documentary is two hours. It's not short. And we made it as, as short as we could. It's 120 hours of footage over 80 interviews over two years across that's this amazing. country. 
But we wanted to show that every single one of these topics is linked. You know, yes. we see we see one headline about gender fluidity teaching in kindergarten. We see another headline about, you know, removing um, all standards for graduation in Oregon. We see another yes. one about, you know, violence in schools. We see another one about CRT. But we want to show that it's all related yes. because we really believe that it is going to be the parents that are going to turn this around, mm -hmm. but they have to know the facts, just like you were feeding facts to your daughter. They have to know the facts and we want everyone to share this with their neighbors, not because you make a documentary to get rich and famous because you sure don't. Yes. You do it to give people a tool. That, yes. That's the reason why. And it's an incredible tool. And, and you said a phrase which we are very fond of. You said a phrase, we want education, not indoctrination. And, and that does, it, it captures a ton of this movement, right? We're sick of watching our kids being taught what to think. And yes. um, we, we want them to be able to have critical thinking, right? We want them to be able to weigh different opinions and weigh different facts and make their own decisions. But they are truly being indoctrinated. Let's talk a little bit about I call it the sexualization of our kids, right? That, that especially around gender, they're being exposed to material that is incredibly inappropriate, especially for their age. But honestly, I've heard enough of the curriculum. I've read enough of the books. It It's uncomfortable for me to read. And I'm a grown man, yes. let alone a five-year-old or a nine-year-old or a 14-year-old that's being exposed to this. Tell us a little bit about this hyper exposure to inappropriate content. Yeah, boy, you know, we've all seen it coming for a while. It's been in the media. It's been a lot of different places. And, you know, what's so ironic about this, Jimmy, is we all know the moment that any of our kids get some kind of a smart device or anything connected to the internet, what's the first thing we do? We put filters on it. We put safeguards yes. on it because we know what is out there. And the very thing that if someone tried to reach a minor and especially a young child online, they could get arrested for it. Then you find out that very similar things are being taught in school. And in many schools, they actually have to lift the blocks and the filters in order to be able to teach this. By the way, if we just made schools adhere to obscenity laws, this would all yes. end. I mean, the, the, well, in, our, in our, our portion of the documentary, Whose Children Are They?, where we talk about sex education, they get around age-appropriate by making something animated or making it into a game. There's literally a pornographic animation whose sole purpose was supposedly to show why pornography is wrong. Well, you're animating oh, it, you're yeah. showing his pornography to say it's wrong. It is, it is inexcusable. It is. And it's a hard part to watch. And we filter out a lot of stuff because we had to make it palatable. Yeah. But this is the sort of thing that we need to look at. This is sexualizing of our children. We're yes. not prudes. We're not against reproductive biology and good health. But th the other thing that people don't realize is, is children around the age of eight and younger have something called really concrete thinking. You tell them something, they're going to believe it. That's why it's the age of wonder with Santa Claus and Easter Bunny and all mm. of the Tooth Fairy. That is why more and more of this is directed by design at children at such a young age. Where if you tell them you could have a boy, boy brain trapped in a girl body, they don't think analytically. They're like, okay, I guess I might. You know, it's yeah. only after that age that they become analytical and say, well, maybe that's true of Billy. It's not yeah. true of me. And let's just put this in perspective. 
You know, one day a kindergartner may think they're a cocker spaniel. The next day they may think that they are Superman. The next day they may think they're a boy. I had three older brothers. I wanted to be Superman and didn't understand why I had to wear a shirt. And my brothers did. You know, I mean, that was just getting to be a child. Yes. Yes. But if I were a, if, if I were in that situation today, they would be shouting from the rooftops that I had gender dysphoria. No, I thought Superman was cool yes. because there weren't a lot of other cool things. And the next day I wanted to be a princess. Yeah. To me, the saddest part when you see this, not just in our education, but even in places like Disneyland, you're like, why do we have to rob our children of the age of innocence. wonder, the yes. age of make-believe, the age of innocence? Yes. And then when there is that percentage, which is usually historically about 0.03% of the population that actually mm -hmm. is experiencing gender fluidity, gender dysphoria, whatever you want to call it, let's talk to those children. But to teach children to be kind to one another, you don't have to indoctrinate them about anything. Right. That is the straw man argument on their side. They're like, right. oh, we have to teach kids to be kind to one another. Are you kidding? If, if Susie is Catholic and she has ashes on her forehead, be kind to her. If Saeed yes. is Sikh and he's wearing a turban and never cuts his hair, be kind to him. If Billy becomes Susie, we can debate that one way or the other, but let's say that happens, just be kind. Yes. That's it. Yes. So you don't have to indoctrinate children or rob them of their innocence. This is where I think we can all come together. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, but I think there's this tremendous spirit of confusion, right? We're, we're giving kids information that they don't know how to process. They don't have the capacity to process. Like you said, that's the first time actually I've heard someone say that they have concrete thinking. If you tell them something, they're going to believe it, like, the, like Santa Claus. And I love that, right? Because now they're yeah. using their imagination. Um, what we're exactly. doing now is we're creating tremendous confusion with our kids. But yeah. and, and honestly, Deb, there's a lot of people that just don't believe this is happening in their schools. They, they still don't. They're, they still call me and they say, Could, is this happening in my school? And I'm like, I'm telling you, the answer is yes. The question yes. is what kids will be affected? We don't know, but it is happening. And by the way, there's a whole lot of secret stuff happening. Talk to that just mm -hmm. for a minute. That Tell the parents who, who might still be thinking, hey, I'm an involved parent. This isn't happening in my school. What do you think of that? I would say the day of we can just hope it's not or just trust it's not is long gone. If we are not now 24-7 parents, 24-7 citizens, then we're responsible for what's happening. Yes. It's happening in private schools. It's happening in some schools that call themselves Christian schools. And I, I'm not yes. meaning to be an alarmist. It's just true. Yes. First of all, it's where the textbooks are. Secondly, look in your library. Do they teach in preschool the ABCs of, I don't know if they call it wokeness or equality, mm -hmm. where B is now for bisexual or whatever it is. You know, it's coming in in some capacity. Yes. And then you'll have people say, oh, we're not teaching that. That's not a class. Yes. No, it's a lens through which everything is being taught. So Even true. like CRT, for instance. Yes. CRT is not a class. And they'll say, oh, it's a college level theory. Yes, but they are putting everything through that lens now. It is happening in schools where they're telling children, okay, look at your skin color. Are you lighter or are you darker? Do you have more melanin or less melanin? They don't use that yes. terminology. I like to use it because that's really all it comes down to. That's and right. they'll say, well, you are, you know, you are more privileged. You are the problem. Mm -hmm. In our own school district in Douglas County, Colorado, they swore that the equity policy, educational equity policy had nothing to do with CRT until a teacher training was leaked. We were not supposed to see it. Everything in that by the Gemini group was teaching teachers 
training them to then teach the children. And it was all critical race theory. Not only that, not only they were saying white cisgender Christian males are the most woke and the most culpable and therefore the most evil and oppressive. Mm -hmm. They also said that parents were dissenters and they were teaching uh, teachers how to get around our knowing. If you think it's not happening, watch the documentary, Whose Children Are They? Talk to anybody. And then also ask this question, by the way, are our school board members funded by the teachers unions? Because if Mm. they are, that's who they're working for. You just, it's time to be savvy. We are our, we are our children's protectors. Yes. It's amazing what you were just talking about with CRT, right? CRT is, is again, it's a Marxist ideology. It's rooted in this idea that there's oppressors and victims and it's all based on yeah. external characteristics. And in America, the the socioeconomic argument for dividing us didn't work because there's too right. many people, regardless of race, that are wildly successful. And we do have equal opportunity. So it didn't work. So they had to pick another way to go after this. And they picked race because it's mm-hmm. visible and you can see it. Um, t- talk a little bit about this idea of intersectionality. And uh, <laughs> the one thing that's making me crazy right now is equity, is this rush yeah. to the bottom, right? It's, it's this, yeah. we're, we're trying to make all of the outcomes equal. Talk, talk a little bit about equity versus equality or even versus excellence. Yeah, without a doubt. So what what America's always been about is equal opportunity. And by that way, that doesn't mean that some people are better than other people. But we all know somebody may be brilliant in a mass. Another person is amazing with their hands and could be the welder that we desperately need in our times. Another person could be very artistic. Another person is athletically oriented. Is any one of them better? No, they're of equal value. And they have equal opportunity, but it's actually through competition that people find out what their gifts and their skills are. Equity is the opposite. Equity says there must be equal outcome in everything. So everybody must have the same achievement level in math. Everybody must have the same achievement level in science. But what do you do to achieve that? You have to bring everything down. You know, in our movie, Whose Children Are They?, this particular topic, we by design went and interviewed primarily black parents in Minneapolis, right outside where the George Floyd incident was ground zero. Why? Because mm. you're some of the most outraged about this. You have black single moms that became attorneys and are wildly successful. And they were like, over my dead body, will you tell my child they can't achieve because they have more melanin in their skin? Honestly, when we had Robert Woodson, who was one of the civil rights movement's activists at the time, Mm. he called that neo-racism. It is exactly what it is. This is not white people saying this is bad. This is everyone should say, you're telling us we have to get rid of standards, AP Mm. classes, honors classes, because we have to have equal outcome. And their argument is that fewer minorities get into those classes. So they're actually saying it is the skin color of the child that dictates whether or not they can achieve. But in order to make this work, which it doesn't, some of the greatest uh, unkindness and injustice has been to children of an Asian descent. Now, it doesn't mean they're smarter. There is something in the culture of that family that says you are going to put academics number one, but you're overachieving. So places like Harvard are going to actually discriminate against you. Yes, It doesn't work. 
at yes. its very heart, it doesn't work. And what it does is it takes away the individuality of every child. Yes. Look, you know, I was a National Merit Scholar and a Princeton Scholar, but I was sure glad I did not have to take math after my junior year in high school. <laughs> That's just the reality. Yes. You know, it doesn't mean I, and by the way, that is the greatest service we can do to our ch for our children. Let them know what they're really excel at and what they don't excel at. Yes. You know, I studied yes. opera. The world will never be a lesser place if I don't sing professionally. It's good for me to know that. I'm not going to waste Thank my goodness. time, you know. We're all yeah, thankful. Exactly. Thanks for but telling it, us that now. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Indeed. So that, that that's the reality. We need to understand equal intrinsic value of every beautiful child. Yes. Equal opportunity for every one of them to excel. But equity says they all have to be exactly alike. Yes. That is counterintuitive to how every individual is created. And it's why it leads to the greatest suffering of humankind. You want to see equity yes. in action? Go to the Soviet Union where I was or any communist country now where children are told what they are going to do, not based on their skill oh, or yeah. their talent, but by the need of the society. That's yes. what it comes down to, the dehumanization. Isn't it amazing because, you know, we believe that in, in our God-given rights, right? We believe that each one of us has been created by God with incredible potential uh, and purpose and certain gifts and talents and strengths that, that really is a process of discovery, isn't it? I mean, yes. I think in terms of as a, as a parent, I think in terms of helping my children discover what they're naturally good at, what they love to do, and then help fueling the fire so that they can uh, maximize their potential and really make the most important contribution they can to their family, to their society, yeah. to their community, to their school. And that's what we're counting on, right? That's all about excellence. And I've seen these schools that are eliminating grades. They're, they're eliminating the valedictorian, um, you know, uh, differentiation. They're, they're basically removing all reason to try and excel at something and to compete and, yes. and to explore your best. Why is that... What's the outcome of that in the end? Uh, well, the outcome of that is is mediocrity across the board. You 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 absolutely just destroy young people's desire to dream and achieve. Mm. You know, I saw it in the Soviet Union. If everybody is equal, and everybody is equal, in equal value. Yes. Let's always yes. be clear about that. Yes. But if everyone is going to have exactly the same outcome, then everybody has the same playing field. So, what happens in a society like that? Nobody achieves anything except for the oligarchy elite. There will always be a ruling elite in this scenario. That's the ultimate goal. Those mm. who tell everybody else what their place is. But let's say, you know, we even saw this, by the way, in the very first, you know, landing on Plymouth Rock before the Mayflower Compact, where they basically said, okay, as, as Marx would say, from everyone according to your ability to everyone according to your need. Okay, what mm. happens when that happens? Those who are naturally desiring to work hard and achieve work, work, work until they realize everyone else who's sitting around mm. gets the same amount. So then you eventually go, well, why would I even bother? After they tried that with the very beginning of those who landed here in America, yeah. they almost starved. And then yes. they realized, you know what, wait a second. It's also okay, by the way, if those who want to work so hard and achieve this level, whatever, and those who are really okay with, you know what? I want to work this amount of time. I want to just come home and be with my family. I want to just, yeah. who are we to say either one of those is right or wrong, but you take away motivation for those who want mm -hmm. to excel at something. You take away the discovery process as you put so well for people to find out what it is that they're designed to be excellent at. 
even yes. it's being excellent at, at serving other people, which is a beautiful thing or being behind yes. the scenes or being, you know, other kinds of giftings. And yeah. then you bring everyone down. It's mm. why you want to destroy a country. You look at Venezuela, one of the most naturally rich nations when it mm. comes to gas, minerals, all of that was flourishing, was one of the wealthiest in the Western hemisphere until socialism took over. And now people are starving. You yeah. take away the ability to advance. You take away the motivation to advance. You take away the intrinsic value of each person. It's dehumanizing. And we yeah. cannot, we cannot let it happen here. Yeah. Uh, anyone who's watching, if you wonder if it's worth it to make a few waves or stand up or do the extra work, the option, the, the alternative is unthinkable. It is yes. unthinkable. I've yes. seen it firsthand. Many of us have seen it. It's unthinkable. We cannot let it yeah. happen here. Yeah. Every single person that I know in a country that has a socialist system is praying for America right now, that we yes. don't, that we absolutely reject socialism, that we reject its cousin communism, which is even worse. It's they're, they're banking on America standing for individual liberty, standing for our God-given rights, because they know if we give up this system, the entire world is going to suffer like we've never seen before. And they've been yes, under this for yes. so long. They, they talk about the malaise of people, not no, no incentives to work, no incentives to strive for excellence. Yeah. When I, when I was in the Soviet Union, I went with Youth for mm. Christ International yeah. and we went on a mission trip. We ended up being there when the coup happened. Mm. What happens when you take away people's desire, motivation, ability to better themselves. It's not yeah. greed, but we all have design in yeah. ourselves to want to live with purpose, to live with passion, to, yes. to provide for our families, to work hard, to see, to see the reward of our labor and yes. the other side is the consequences of our actions. Well, mm. what, you know, goes hand in hand with Marxism is atheism. So what happens in a country yes. like that? You know, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, alcoholism through the roof, despair, you know, uh, it's just, mm. it is a bleakness of human existence that we cannot let happen here. You know, I think Jimmy about, and I, I'm going to memorize this quote, but I don't have it memorized yet, but it's by Reagan. And he basically said, you know, it's, it's his um, rendezvous with destiny. We have a rendezvous yes. with destiny. He goes on to say, we will fight for our children, our children's children, or we will basically condemn them to a thousand years of darkness. Yes. He's talking about socialism. Yes. And we can't do that. We're how many more years beyond when he said that? Now we are responsible because we've seen it. The yes. only silver lining of COVID was we saw what our children are being taught. We saw the agenda that's been happening ever since John Dewey in the early 1900s, who was an atheist, a communist, and the father of modern education. We've mm. seen the fruition of it, and we have to stand up now and say it goes no further. It goes yeah. no further. Yes. And, and I think that's why we're so passionate about fighting for this, right? About showing up at school board meetings, about understanding the yes. ties and relationships behind the scenes. You know, let's go back to, to the whole gender confusion that we're creating in our schools now, because this is one of those areas that is really, um, it's, it's depriving our kids of a real education, right? About the things that are going to help them be competitive. It's creating unbelievable confusion. Right. Um, we've heard the stories, right, of people in Colorado. We know the same people whose children have been damaged uh, by this indoctrination. And it's subtle, right, because they're also saying this, and I really want you to talk about this. There are secret conversations happening 
between adults and children, between teachers and administrators yes. and children, and also outside groups. Help, help our parents understand that, what's actually happening there. Yeah, we, we need to know. I mean, first of all, in Colorado, they passed a law one or two uh, assemblies ago, sessions ago, um, where children as young as 12 can see a psychotherapist without their parents' knowledge or consent. First of all, that's just fundamentally Ridiculous. wrong. And fundamentally we're not talking, wrong. by the way, about that small sliver where there's an abusive parent. We have all right. kinds of laws to cover that. That yes. That is not the issue here. And then where that has expanded is because there is this entire movement now in the social services side, in the education side, in the indoctrination side. And granted, not every teacher, not every administrator. We are pro-teacher mm-hmm. yes. for good teachers who are often bullied into his, but there are activist teachers. And then by the way, this headlong rush into more counselors in our schools, let's be very careful about that. They yes. created a absolute epidemic of depression and suicide. And now they're rushing in and saying, let's just fill those schools with counselors. Well, what happens then? Now, some of them very well-meaningly and some of them very purposely have been trained to say, Mm. oh, you're depressed. It might be because you are gender fluid. You're depressed. It might be because you're gay. You're depressed. It might be because of this. And then they jump in with that as the solution. And if the Mm. parent does not agree with that, then oftentimes social services is called because a yes. parent is not gender affirming. Now, this is worse when you see it in like Ohio or Oregon, where children have been removed as young as 12 from their parents' care if the parents did not go along with, uh, you know, with this, this hormone therapy, which, boy, when we see a generation from now, the damage that is done physically, oh. emotionally, and otherwise to children in this situation, if we don't speak up, we yes. are culpable in it. But what yes. happens is this happens without parents' knowledge or consent. In fact, many schools are now being trained, do not tell the parent. And sometimes I'm hearing stories, you've heard these stories too, a parent shows up and suddenly realizes at a teacher conference that their child is now called by a different gender name yes. and they had no knowledge of this and they have yes. no right to say anything. Here's the reality. If their motives were pure, and their gender dysphoria is a real thing. If the motives were pure, why in heaven's name would you not notify the parent right away? Because wouldn't you want to partner with them? Yes. Wouldn't you want to say, your child is dealing with this, let's work together? So the subterfuge in and of itself is condemning. Yes. And you have to know, any parent that's listening, before it is too late, know that this could be happening with your child right now. They, they're depressed because COVID was hard or whatever is going on, or they're struggling with classes. They go and talk to a counselor now. That counselor likely as not will point to gender confusion as the reason and then begin to lead them down that path. There are schools in California where they have Planned Parenthood facilities in the school. So they can actually begin to administer hormone therapy. So here's the thing. I, I usually feel like the, the bearer of a lot of bad news. <laughs> and we have to know the bad news. When True. we made the documentary, people were like, are you excited it's coming out? I'm like, well, I actually feel like I'm inviting a lot of friends into my living room and saying I've got bad news for you. It's not like a light and fun topic. But we yes. have to courageously look at it. Yes. And then we have to take action. And then we have to be encouraged because guess what? It took them decades to get there. And it's happened in the darkness. It's not in the darkness anymore. It won't take us long to take this back because these still are our children. This still is our right fundamentally. And anybody time they tell us it's not our right, 
We just say, I'm sorry, I don't see that in the Constitution or the laws. And if the laws are there, I will work like the Dickens to change them. We can turn this around much faster than it took to get here. Yes, and that's the beauty of tr- of truth, right? It's exposing what's actually right. happening, it, as hard as it is to see, because it is hard to see. I mean, once you once you come to grips yes. with what's actually happening in our schools, and the other thing you mentioned was there's a lot of great teachers, uh, but there's a lot of great teachers who are afraid, right? There's a lot of great teachers yes, who are, are who are unwilling to express what they truly believe. And without fear for losing their job or being disciplined in some way or being ostracized amongst their peers. I mean, it's a, it can be a tremendously hostile environment, can it? It can. Oh, without a doubt. So one of the things we always want to make clear, we are pro-teacher, pro-parent, pro-student. That was the golden triangle of education, the way it was intended to be. But what got right in the middle of that uh, that relationship were the teachers' unions. And honestly, I can't make it any plainer than that because they are not for the teachers. In fact, while teachers' union president salaries are skyrocketing over half a million dollars with Cadillac insurance plans, teachers' pay is stagnating. I mean, teachers, students have increased about 7% in, let's say, 17, 20 years. Students have increased eight, I mean, teachers have increased 8%. Administration, by some tallies, has increased 75%. That's where the money is going. It's not going to good teachers. Then if they don't want to go along with it, they are bullied. They are absolutely bullied. So as part of the documentary, Whose Children Are They? We encourage people to go to whosechildrenarethey.com, hit on Join the Movement, and there for teachers, by the way, is a way to stage a mass union exit. Yes. You can get your liability insurance and your health insurance from organizations that do not require you to really murder your conscience for the most mm. part and do things mm. you don't feel like you really are supposed to do. And by the way, let's free teachers back up again to just teach, to not yes. be counselors, to not to be indoctrinators, yes. to not to be political activists and the tools of the teachers' unions and their ideological partners. Now, there are some teachers, especially the younger ones that are fresh out of teachers' colleges, that maybe wholeheartedly believe in this new agenda. Mm. But we are uh, compassionate and sympathetic towards teachers who are just bullied into this. It's fear tactics. And it's time for them to rise up too. It's time for them to rise up and know that they have alternatives. Yeah. And I think one of the other things too, one of the one of the unintended consequences maybe of the of the issue of seeing life through the lens of race and racial inequality yes. now is that a lot of our schools are not safe because you can't discipline kids for without being called a racist or without being yes. called, you know, have, having some kind of disparity. And I'm telling you, a lot of these schools are not safe. They're not safe for teachers, they're not, they're not safe for students. How how do we address that that problem? Well, one of the things we need to see is the, the connection between the federal government and what's happening in locally, because mm. that policy went into place under President Obama. And mm. and I, I'm not making this a Democrat or Republican issue. Right. I mean, I am conservative and I am a Republican, but this is a right and wrong issue. Yes. So what a lot of times happens, they look at what they see as an inequality and inequity mm. and then come up with a policy that doesn't work. It makes no sense. It makes the problem worse. So even if they start with yes. good intentions... I think some of them do. I think many of them don't. What they saw was there were more children um, of more melanin that were getting expelled, period. So what's the solution? Is the solution, do you have programs like many amazing after-school programs to give some of these young people from inner cities and and underprivileged backgrounds who maybe don't have a father in the home or maybe don't have Mm. that kind of structure? Is the answer to help them be 
better uh, in who they can be and give them role models and give them discipline and structure. Cause some of these kids, the only structure they had was in yes. school. No, yes. their solution was let's make sure that we bring these numbers of, you know, disciplinary action down on a purely race-based situation. And what did mm -hmm. that do? It put teachers in an unwinnable, untenable position. And yes. what happened is it turned the classrooms into war zones. And yes. in, in, in some of these inner city schools, the students that want to just learn are yes. victimized. Yes. You know, they can't learn because it's a war zone. We have in our documentary a heartbreaking footage of a, an, an award-winning teacher who resigned because she said she couldn't take it anymore. And she lists all of mm. these things that happened. Teachers getting beat up, yes. kids, you know, you know, doing, you know, inappropriate things to the teachers, all this kind of stuff. And she goes through this whole long list and she goes, and this just happened in the month of May. Jeez. And she quit. And, and it's not safe for teachers. It's not safe right. for students. We need to have higher expectations, not lower expectations. Yes. We need to provide students that have discipline problems with tools to learn to control themselves. Yes. And then we yes. need to take action for those who will not rise to that occasion so that our, our schools are not war zones. Yes. I mean, there has to be consequences, right, for behavior, right? I yes. think most of us, we care more about behavior than just about anything else. Show respect, create an environment mm -hmm. where our kids can thrive. Um, and instead, we're creating these unsafe environments. And, you know, I think part of this has been we've got unsafe environments. Once our kids enter these schools, there is an unsafe ideological environment. There's an unsafe yes. gender confusion environment. There's an unsafe racial environment. And we're creating more of this problem. And our teachers are under unbelievable stress uh, trying to play all roles for our kids and mm -hmm. step in the gap. They are. It is time that we push back on this for the sake of teachers, too. Yes. They should be able to teach, yes. not be psychologists and uh, indoctrinators and yes. the arbiters of what is woke enough and all of yes. this. That's why grades are plummeting, even as you know, yeah. wokeness is skyrocketing. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I'll have to say is we have to see where it comes from. One of the things we talk about in the documentary is the 45 communist goals that were entered into the congressional record in 1963. And a great percentage of them have to do with dumbing down the curriculum, discrediting yeah. our founding, taking over the teachers unions, all of these things. And why our founding fathers, by the way, knew and they said frequently that the key to a free citizenry is a well-educated populace. Yes. So you can't begin to take people's lives over if they're well-educated, if they know how to think, if they know the questions to ask, if they are rebels with a cause, you know, yes. we're not against questioning. I mean, uh, Jimmy, I'm sure you do this with your own kids. Mm -hmm. We told our kids, don't believe just what we say, yeah. whether it comes to our faith or our values or the family yes. father. You go do the research and let's come together and, hey, let's iron sharpens iron. Yes. We want that. Yes. You know? Because, because a belief we, that we you... We do believe in truth. Yeah. And a belief that you can't support yeah. is not really a belief. It's kind of, it's it's negotiable. It's not. Right. And so we want right. that we want them to explore it. We want them to know why they believe what they believe as much as what they believe. So, um, yes. so many issues, right? Uh, let's let's pivot just a little bit about uh, to the safety of our kids in school from a from a physical standpoint. Um, yes. We've got two major issues, right? One is this idea of making all bathrooms available to whatever gender you identify as, and we've seen incredible 
physical assaults, sexual assaults, and other problems. One, I, one incident in Virginia, we believe, uh, changed an election because when it got exposed yes. in Loudoun County, people went bonkers and they went against it. And then the other piece is this rise in, uh, in violent attacks on schools and an unwillingness yeah. in some ways to, to actually take the action to harden those targets to keep our kids yes. safe. Why are we so behind on that issue? Well, part of it is is because there's definitely forces that want to politicize everything. They don't really yeah. want solutions. They're not really looking for solutions. It's like, That's this is our agenda. Here's a crisis. You know, yes. Saul Alinsky and then, you know, Rahm Emanuel, you know, coined it. Don't let any crisis go unmanipulated, basically, yeah. is what they're trying yes. to say. So yeah. when there's a shooting, what's your knee-jerk reaction? Get rid of all guns. Well, by the way, the vast majority of shootings happen in gun-free zones, period, because Uh. criminals aren't stupid. You may have seen this Epic Times article, and I've been hearing about this for quite a long time, that there's a factor that is not being addressed. And granted, I'm just going to quote the article because I haven't done my deep dive in it. But if we're really interested in solutions, there's things we need to look at, like the fact that according to this study, 98.5% of mass shooters, what did they actually have in common? Depression and then the drugs, not the depression itself, the antidepressants and various medications that have skyrocketed since 1980, gone up 400%. Instead of dealing with the core issue of depression, they just medicate them. And many of those medications have the warning that it creates hostile, aggressive behavior, suicidal and homicidal ideation, period. Right. So if we really want to look at the solutions, let's stop politicizing. I, I'm, nice. I've become good friends with John and Maria Castillo, whose son Kendrick was the, the hero of STEM, where a student should never have to be the one to put his body in front of a shooter, but he did and gave his life and saved so many. We have talked about the fact that those two students had a history of violent and troubling behavior, one in particular who was moved yes. from one school to another, the records didn't follow, all in the name of protecting that student. If we just actually wanted solutions. I mean, what I was leading to with this is I was so heartened, by the way, the students at STEM, when the vigil would turn into a political rally by moms demand action, that wanted to make all about gun control. Those kids stood up. Some were pro second month, some weren't, but they recognized when they were being manipulated and they Mm -hmm. said, we are not pawns. We will not be used as pawns. And they left. We had um, Meadows father, Andy Pollack in our show, um, Mm -hmm. in our documentary, whose children are they? Meadow's own brother was not allowed to speak at the vigil because CNN looked at his speech and it wasn't anti-Second Amendment. So we have to start with what is your actual goal? Is it to politicize or to find real solutions? The solutions are actually not that hard. Hmm. Look at the skyrocketing use of all kinds of pharmaceutical drugs. Now, some are are amazing. I'm not against medication, but there is a trend here. We are medicating and not treating the root issue of depression. Okay, what about actually making our schools secure, not having all the doors open? How about having at least SROs and possibly more than that? Hey, I'm actually not against very well-qualified trained staff bearing arms. My daughter, our daughter had a Marine for an English teacher. 
Hmm. You better believe he has a right to defend himself and the students instead of being just a human barrier at best. Yes. There's all of these different things, you know, then yes. you go to the safety, you were talking about same sex bathrooms, you know, who's a, who's a very odd ideological partner in this radical liberal feminists who were fighting hmm. ever since the sixties for title nine, for girls rights in sports, for safe yes. spaces. You know, here's a simple solution if there is truly a, a, a student in high school who's dealing with gender confusion or yeah. transitioning or whatever, I'm not going get, to get into litigating that. How about giving them a safe space to change, a private bathroom for anyone who doesn't feel yes. comfortable changing in front of others? That's yes. the solution. Yes. Not making 14-year-old girls shower next to anatomical males. Right. Who yeah. is that good for? Right. Period. So... You know, there there are real solutions if we actually want to solve the problem and not right. politicize it. And we and we can respect uh, a variety of different opinions about this, right? It's not that we yes. have to agree on certain uh, certain issues. Like I think about the the biological men competing against biological women in sports is an absolute no brainer. You can't even deny the science. You can't deny the physiological advantage that a biological man or boy has over a biological female. And, Absolutely. And, and, and now we're starting to see, again, we're starting to see parents advocate. By the way, parents are afraid. Parents are afraid to advocate for their young daughters who are in these universities who are losing opportunities. The kids are, have been told by administrations, especially at the university level, not to say anything against the prevailing narrative of the university. And now they're finally speaking out because it, this yeah. is a winner. Nobody believes this is okay, right? But it's it's taking yeah. people rising up and courageously speaking against it. It is. And, and we're at this point now. We're at the point where we have to ask ourselves, am I more afraid of backlash? Am I more afraid of right. being ridiculed? Am I more afraid of losing a few friends than I am at standing up for the safety, the innocence, the future yes. of my children? One of the reasons why I've gotten so engaged and even ran for the U.S. Senate is I've, we've got kids going into college now. I cannot stand the idea that I would have to look them in the face and say, oh, um, because you've already had COVID and weren't vaccinated, you may never be able to pursue your dream playing college football or actually getting to do. Who's responsible for that? At the end of yes. the day, we are. And mm. here's the great news. Anyone who's listening that's afraid, I promise you for the two or three people that are going to say something mean. And it, it's almost like, you know, schoolyard, you've got cooties and they yeah. run away. They will call you a racist. They'll call honestly it's all they have and it's not yes. true and everybody knows it. Yes. For every person that does that, if you stand up and stand your ground, you will find hundreds more that will step forward and say, yes, finally. And we are in the majority. The only reason why we have been put in this position is because that fringe minority is loud, yes. vocal, yes. and tries to intimidate good people. If yes. we realize we're in the majority, and I'm not, I'm talking across party lines. Oh, yes. You look at, you know, as you were talking about the whole transgender sport issue, vast majority of Americans, 70 to 80 percent yes. agree it's wrong, agree yes. that there's better solutions are, you know, we just have to show up and speak up. The time of being silent is yes. long gone. Then we're culpable. Yes. We're culpable. Yeah, like, no question. We, it, it's our time. 
And I think it's an opportunity to teach our kids what real courage looks like, right? Because courage is not, yes. it's not doing something when you've got everybody on your side. It's doing something regardless of how you're, how it's, uh, it um, comes back at you. It's taking action in the face of some fear, of some fear that something yes. could happen. But you're standing for righteousness. You're standing for what's right and good. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, you know, I yes, want to empower correct. kids. I want to empower kids. I want to empower parents to be able to take the action and not worry about the names that they're going to get called. Agreed. And, you know, that's one thing I want to make sure we touch on. Yeah. The solutions are there and they're actually not that hard. And listen, not yes. everybody's something that's going to speak up at a school board. Maybe yeah. you go speak up at a school board. Maybe you just go and you support those speaking up at a school yes. board. Maybe you're the undercover mom, like a couple moms yes. I know, who signed up to take training for teachers over the summer and recorded it. Yes. They got to sit in their living room and become the new journalists. Maybe your job is getting out there and making sure the right school board candidates get elected. Maybe it is just speaking up and letting your other you know, neighbors know. One of the reasons we made the documentary is because next year is a school board election year. We hope, not for our sake, everybody shares that with at least 10 people in your school district that maybe were unaware. Because yes. if everybody sees it, they can't unsee it. And they can yes. no longer justify not getting engaged. And there's That's something right. there for everybody, whether it's about academic standards, whether yes. it's about neo-racism, whether it's about gender fluidity, whether it's about the safety of our kids, wherever they are on the spectrum. By the way, I have seen more moms in particular mm. wake up and maybe they were of a different pol different political persuasion before, and now yeah. they're independents and ready to even be conservative because they realize when it comes to their kids, this has gone too far. We yes. can win this if we don't go back to sleep. That yes. is the key. Yes, and, and we've been kind of preaching this mantra that we do not consent to this indoctrination. We don't consent to the ideologies. Yeah. We don't consent to these secret conversations. And we're going to show up until this stops. It's just pure nonsense. We're seeing yeah. a movement of parents who can, pulling their kids out of schools and homeschooling, finding other alternatives, whether it's a charter school or a private school. Yes. We're finding a lot of different opportunities. But I think ultimately we really have to continue to show up in our public schools because that's yes. where the vast majority of our kids are educated. It's true because the vast majority, that's the future of our nation. That's, yeah. that's, and, and by the way, we can't just look the other way and just say, yeah. oh, well, those aren't our kids. You yeah. know, it, it, not everybody can pull their kids out. And there's many things uh, in addition we can do. It's time we look at the big, bold solutions. Like the time is ripe now to elect legislators and help push legislation where the money falls the student, not the system. That yes. is ultimately where we need to go. Now, if we could get all federal money out, great. I don't yes. know if we'll ever get back to that stage. Until yeah. we do, the money falls to you. And by the way, who's that going to benefit the most? It's going to benefit underprivileged kids in family school systems, in dangerous areas, in the inner city with single yes. parents who yes. have no other option and deserve just as much because of their intrinsic value to have yes. a better education. So it's time for these bold measures and we can yes. do it. And and great, if you're, if you're able to pull your kid out, especially if they're in elementary school and your, mm. your school is not listening to you, then do. No matter what, pull them out of uh, sex yes. education. There's no need for anybody to have what the current sex education is. Yes. And if you feel led to stay and fight in your school, then do that. Yes. Be engaged, but let's keep fighting even if our kids are somewhere else. 
Yeah. We have to. We have to. And what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? I know we've said it a couple of times. So I want to give you another opportunity to do that. We're going to send everybody to you because we believe in, in what you're doing. And we, we know that there's strength in Thank numbers, you. right? How do we get a hold of you? Yes. Yeah. Well, first of all, I invite everyone to go to whosechildrenarethey.com because the, the documentary is now available on DVD. You can stream it. It's going to continue to grow where it's available. And truly, I am saying this from my heart. This is not uh, for you know the Florida vacation plan. This is simply so that you can get it out and wake people up. I mean, we spent two years of our lives doing this because we felt the best thing we could do is help other parents wake up so this movement reaches critical mass. So go to whosechildrenarethey.com. You can share the documentary and then also click on join the movement. And you're going to learn about things you can do, how you speak at a school board, how you leave the union, how you help teachers leave the union, all different things you can do. And then I, my organization is parentsunitedamerica.org. You can go there. You can also um, you know, message me through there. And and let's stand together. I mean, there's yes. it, this is our time. And by the way, if we use this as our time, we'll save not just our kids' innocence, we can redirect the entire direction of where this country is going for its future. And we have to, because right now it's going in the wrong direction and we can do it. Yes, we can. Well, Deborah, we're super excited to be partnering with you in this effort. Thank you for all that you're doing. Thank Thanks you. for uh, the, the, the movie, the documentary film is absolutely amazing. Everyone has to watch it. Thank you, Jamie. And uh, yeah, we're standing with you. We're standing with you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you too. Thank you so much for all you're doing. And, and everybody be encouraged, be of good courage. We can do this. Thank you so much.